uh, so one of the scriptures that I'm going to bring out a little bit later uh, is, uh, is, you know, the idea that Jesus came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Uh, and so that's, that's going to be a theme with me, uh, hopefully for the rest of my, my life, you know, the, this idea that what we need is, is more than knowledge, right? There's something we need more than knowledge. You know, knowledge is good. Knowledge can be profitable, but knowledge never saved anybody. Amen? Uh, we need life. So who here is in need of life today? Any, anybody need life today? <laughs> Both hands, yeah. We need, we need life, man. So, uh, so when we stand up here and when we preach, uh, it, it is to teach, right? There's, there's some of it that's for the function of the mind, but the ultimate goal isn't, isn't for you to um, have uh, um, more knowledge. Uh, the ultimate goal is for you to grow and to flourish and to, and to be a person of life, to be a person who is vibrant, to be a person that is full of the Spirit of God, and, uh, and then reflecting all, that, all, all, all that, that goodness that is in God, uh, both to each other and to the world. Amen? Y'all with me? Can we be on the same mission today? I think so. Come on, preach it. All right, let's do it. So, uh, so, so with that, I get to preach a genealogy today. So, uh. <laughs> Bless his name. He's so good, though. He's so good because even the genealogy, y'all, even in the genealogy, we're going to get to see the face of Jesus Christ, man. Ain't that something? That is something. Uh, So last week, uh, you know, Joel got to preach on the Tower of Babel, and uh, and it was, I I thought, an incredible sermon, uh, and and just so, so, it's so, it's been so good in Genesis to see just how, how easy it is in these old ancient texts to just get straight to Jesus, to just get straight to the point, right? And that's where he got. That's where he got last week when he talked about what happened in Babel, in Babel and, and what spiritually was happening in Babel. And then the undoing of what was done, you know, during that time, the undoing of, of that, that rebellion through Christ, right? And, and Christ came to ransom the nations. And so the idea that these nations were allocated different places, but in the end, these nations are then reconciled in Christ, right? Through, through the power of who Jesus is and how Jesus just, just shows himself to be so faith as God's faithful intention towards mankind, even from the time of Genesis, right? Even from the time of the fall and, and before. And so, uh, so there, was a, there was just a beautiful idea of this culmination that happens in Jesus um, and, and the power of that. And so I'm going to start today. So we're going to get into Genesis 11, and we're going to follow through with that theme. It almost feels like we're really just preaching the same sermon over and over again. And, 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 and again, I'm good with that because the gospel is that good that we could preach the gospel every time. And it can, it can hit you a different way. It can move you forward a different way. And so, you know, in some sense, we keep kind of starting and ending at the same place. You know, we start in the text. And we end with Jesus, <laughs> you know, and, and I feel like that pattern is probably a pattern that you should get used to if you're going to be a part of this church. Um, because on some level, you know, me and Joel will tell you or anybody else who preaches, I don't have anything else for you but this name of Jesus. You know, that's what I'm feeding on every day, right? Like that's what keeps my battery charged. And so what else am I going to have to give you but the name of Jesus? Bread of life preach it. So, uh, so, but I'm going to start you in Genesis 22, 18. So we're going to start there. Um, you know, Joel actually did reference this in his sermon. Uh, 
and it says uh, in Genesis 22, 18, uh, and then keep a finger in Genesis 11, and in your offspring, speaking to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Right, So we're going to get our first mention of Abraham in the passage that I'm preaching. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Abraham. We're going to go through this genealogy. But there's this idea that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. And we know that um, a part of that, I mean, part of that was, you know, Israel comes from him, right? Israel, and then we get all, the, all the, the oracles of God came through Israel. But then ultimately what we get is Christ, right? We get Christ coming through the line of Abraham, um, and, and, and the ultimate blessing for all nations is Christ himself. So heading over to 11, heading over to uh, Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 10. And let's just get down to these, this genealogy here. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpashid two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered Arpashid 500 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Arpashid had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpashid lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Reu. And Peleg lived after he fathered Reu 209 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Reu had lived 32 years, he fathered Serug. And Reu lived after he fathered Serug 207 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Serug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Serug lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. All right, so this is the word of God. And there's power in it. Amen? There's power in the word of God. There's power in the act of us just sitting here and me reading the word of God and you hearing the word of God. Um, and I don't care if it's a genealogy. I don't care if it's a single verse. There's power in the word of God because it is the words of God. Amen? So there's that. Then there's just the fact that there's this loving detail. What you're hearing is, is a slideshow of people's lives, right? Right? Like these are people who lived and died. Let me tell you something else about these people. They're your ancestors. Amen? Like these are your ancestors in the faith, right? Have we been grafted into the tree of Israel or not? We have, right? So we're, we're reading our family history as we read this. And we're reading about lives that mattered. And there, a lot of these lives, we're not going to get to know a lot about them except that they lived or died, right? But these are our relatives. And there's a significance in that. Another significance, now, now I thought Brian did a great job when he covered, uh, you know, he covered, some of this is overlapping with the genealogy that he covered, which contains some of this. Um, but I, I, I was just sitting there in awe of, of what he talked about in terms of, of the, na the different nations that proceeded from these lines and just the incredible stories that come out from these lives is just, it's, it's, it's stunning. Uh, one thing I'll even add to that is that part of the fact of these genealogies shows that the Bible sees itself 
as a historical text, right? We read it as a historical text. Why am I going to put a geology in a book of legends and folklore, right? Like this is a historical, the intention of the scripture is to be a historical narrative and understanding of, 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 the, of the events that lead us up till now or the events that it covers. And so we have this beautiful uh, historical, you know, historical narrative coming. Um, the other thing here to, to consider is this is Shem. So this is the line of Shem down to Abraham. This is the line of Christ, right? So you're looking at the links in the chain along the way that led to this incredible work that God was doing over centuries and millennia, right? Um, and and that, that work that culminates in Jesus Christ coming from this line, God himself being incarnate into the world through this line as it was promised from the beginning, right? Um, and, so, uh, and so we get to zoom out for a second and just see, you know, these, you know, however many 20 links in the chain that are leading us forward towards the promised one. Um, and so, uh, so again, a part, a part of what we're seeing is lineage of Christ, right? So there's a, there's a piece of this that is the physical lineage of Christ. Um, but there's another piece that we're going to get to introduce uh, today. And when you put the two things together, I think it's pretty powerful. Uh, so, uh, so into 27 now. It says, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, and she had no child. So there's a couple things here. First of all, this genealogy is now ending in um, Abram, Abram's um, lineage, right? So we're going to get it. So, so from now, the next several weeks, we're going to be covering Abram uh, slash Abraham. Now, a couple things that you're going to see here is there's, there's, a, um, there's some pain and suffering that happens here, right? So we've got a father named Terah, who has three sons. One of his sons is old enough and has his own son, but then uh, Haran dies. So, so his father's still living when his son dies, right? So we can imagine that there's pain there, and it leaves a son without a father, right? And so, so from that moment on, we see like Lot and Abram, who, you know, Lot is Abram's nephew. They're thick as thieves, right? Like they're, they're tight, you know, and you can kind of see how that played out, right? Because there was, you know, this trauma that happened in the family. And then the grandfather takes the whole family group and travels. Eventually that grandfather dies. And then it's, uh, it's Abram and Lot. And you see, you see their names conjoined. And you even see later on that, uh, that Lot gets, uh, gets kidnapped, attacked, assailed by, uh, uh, by these armies. And Abram, Abram puts his armor on and goes and gets that dude, right? <laughs> Put his hands, he's like... No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw blows, right? Like so 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 obviously there was a closeness, there was a family cohesion here, um, and then we end with this idea of Sarai was barren; she had no child. Now consider how much pain we know just from the scriptures how much pain how much pain there was in that family around that fact, right? Around that fact, um, and then even but then Jesus comes or the Lord comes and gives the promise to her that she will have a child, but then they have to end up waiting for so long, right? There's such a long period of time where it just seems impossible that they're ever going to have a child except by what the Word of God said. Um, and so we just get a glimpse, right? So the last time I preached, I preached about how, you know, 
God, God actually brings a cataclysm to the earth in order to address the sin that was on the earth. And then the next, as soon as the, the next family comes out from the flood and, uh, and whoever's left over and sin is still there, right? And so we see from the beginning this inheritance of, of sin and suffering that is so native to the human condition, right? And so there's, there's a suffering that happens here. A uh, small side note, you know, my daughter, my daughter asked me, has been asking me recently, um, you know, the question, like, why is it like this? You know, like, why is it like this here? You know, why did God make it this way? Like, why did God make it so that there's so much suffering here? You know, and uh, you, you guys, you ever, ever get asked that question? Anybody here ever get asked that question? Anybody here ever asked that question? <laughs> right? Like, why? Why is it like this? Um, and uh, words seem inadequate to give her the answer that she needs. I'll just, I'll just be really honest with you. Like, like in the moments when she's in pain and when I, I see my daughter becoming aware of what, what pain and suffering is in the world, even her small experience, her small kind of sheltered experience, she still um, sometimes feels that pain of, of existence and that pain of living. And it's like, how do you answer that? And, and I, I, will, I will admit to you that my answers just, they don't, they don't tend to seem to even touch the question right? They don't even seem to touch the question. There could be people in this room that are suffering from something or waiting for something or hurting over something where, you know, you could ask the question, but there's no answer I could give that could really answer the question, right? There's no logical answer, no reasonable answer I could give you. Um, but I, I will encourage you, that's why the answer to these things is not knowledge, but life, right? And life has a name and his name is Jesus, you know? And you know what? We, we wrestle and we struggle with Jesus being the answer to our questions, don't we? We struggle with it all the time, but that doesn't change the fact that God hasn't given another answer, right? Like I can theorize about why God made things the way that, and I have some good theories, y'all. I mean, we could chat about it. We could have some fun. I can give you my theories, but are my theories going to touch your pain? Your only answer is to trust Christ, that he knows what he's doing, that he has you, that he knows exactly why he has you, where he has you, and he knows exactly how long he's going to let you stay there, amen? And that when the time is right, he will get you out. And how do we know? Have we not seen it, man? Have we not seen it? Have you not seen it in your life? God moved mountains for you. He has. Will he do it again? How big was the mountain he moved when he got you saved? <laughs> How big was it? Right? I don't, I don't think we ought. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, so on into 31. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. And when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And so now we have the story of Abraham. It all now is going to unfold from here. And Abraham is called the father of the faithful. So we have this lineage of Christ coming through Shem, right? That we get to, we get to see and observe, like that is Jesus' lineage in the flesh. And we also have the father of faith, right? The father of the faithful, Abram, who will be called Abraham 
right, who we get to see displaying these incredible acts of trust in God um, in ways that cause him to receive the blessing that goes on forward and forward until, uh, until we see Jesus. And so as we kind of preface, and I'm going to function a little bit as a preface to the story of Abraham that's going to come after me. And so, uh, so I'm, going to, I'm going to give some reflections on faith, right, which was kind of the, um, uh, the characteristic, the defining characteristic that we see in Abraham, uh, and, and then faith in Christ and how those things translate. So uh, Romans chapter 4 is a, is a whole discourse on Abraham, right? And, and, and who he was and how he is the father of the faithful um, and, and what it was that, that was exemplified by his life. You can see that in Romans chapter four. I'm gonna take a couple excerpts from it and then we're gonna talk about some of those things. So Romans chapter four, verse three. Romans chapter four, verse three says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, right? So, so that little statement, there's, there's, there's so much in it, um, so much around it. You know, it doesn't say that Abraham believed things about God. It said Abraham believed God. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't have knowledge of God, but do you guys get what I'm saying? Abram had a personal relationship with God such that when God said, jump, Abram said, how high do I jump? Do you get what I'm saying? Like God, Abraham believed God. Direct path, right? And it was counted to him for righteousness. Now that is a significant thing. Man, and we've talked about that so many times. There's just so much written about the idea that faith is counted to us as righteousness, right? Faith in Christ is counted to us as righteousness. Um, but it's, it, there's, there's a simple thing about Abraham, right? Like there's a, there's a simple, Abraham had a simple faith. Like if you think about where he was in history, he didn't have a Bible. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't have pastors and teachers, right? Like, like there was so much that he lacked that we have today. And yet somehow, even in that context, he was able to have this vibrant relationship with God um, and this faith-filled relationship with God where he was able to just take God at his word, right? He didn't have a lot of doctrine, y'all, right? He didn't have the whole Bible to structure these things for him. He had a very simple and childlike, that's how, what, how I would describe him, a very simple and childlike faith in the living God. Uh, I'll give you an illustration that's been challenging me lately. Uh, there's a book called The Heavenly Man. Has anybody read that? About, about a, uh, a, a, a guy named Brother Yun uh, who was in China. He was this, this great uh, evangelist and powerful presence in China. And he was talking about his past in this book. I'm, I'm reading it with my son. That's like, he, he won't let me read it without him because he's like, not nah, it's audio. I say read, I mean listen to, right? Uh, but uh, it's the same thing. That's what I'm saying. Anybody who wants to debate that, talk to me afterwards, okay? So, so, uh, so we're listening to it. But um, he, he talks about how his mom, uh, you know, how he came to Christ, and it was through his mom. Now, his mom in China had come across a missionary and had gotten born again. And then the communists came into power. They kicked out all the missionaries. They, they got rid of all the Bibles. So none of that was there in China. Um, so the mom kind of drifted back to whatever she was. 
and, uh, and they, were, they were farmers. And so they were farming, uh, farming basically hand-to-mouth, like, you know, no, no excess, ba- basically just surviving. And it was the mom and the dad and five sons, of which Brother Yoon was one. And, uh, and then one day the dad gets deathly ill, like really sick, like to the point of death. And the mom is so distraught that she's, she's, she literally is thinking about suicide. And she goes to sleep, she's in her bed, and Jesus comes, and he says, I love you. And she jumps out of bed. She gets all her kids up. She tells her kids about Jesus. All her kids get saved. She says, let's pray for your dad. They don't know how to pray. So they just spend the whole night just saying, Jesus, heal our dad. Jesus, heal our dad, right? The dad gets healed, okay? Then they call the village to their house. And, uh, and they've covered the windows. They call the village. And the villagers think it's the death notice for the dad. And, and it, remember, it's illegal for them to to preach this, right? It's illegal for them to, to talk about Jesus. So the, the, the villagers come in, they tell the villagers what God did, and all the villagers get saved, okay? So now, it's like, well, what do we do? I guess we're a church. Who's gonna preach? Well, his mom was the one that heard the, heard the words. <laughs> so the mom becomes a preacher. Let me tell you about the mom. She's illiterate. Doesn't have a Bible. You understand? Doesn't have a pastor, Right? has just the basic mechanics of what's been told to her by this missionary when she got saved, and she becomes the one that's preaching all the time. And do you know what she's preaching? Jesus, 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 right? Jesus, love Jesus. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus saved my husband. But she's, she's got a simple faith. Like Brother Yoon says later, because he's trying to learn about God, and so he would come to his mom and say, Mom, what about this? What about that? And she would she'd be like, Son, you know I don't know that. Go ask Jesus. Because she, she didn't know anything, y'all. And that just sits on me. Do you know what I mean? It just sits on me because she had life. Do you understand what I'm saying? She had life. She had Jesus himself, right? Um, I'd, ra- I'd rather have Jesus than all the knowledge, amen? Right? Would you agree maybe we need more Jesus than we need all the knowledge, right? More life? Man, this little woman's holding church, y'all, and got nothing to say but Jesus. Okay, sermon done. All right. <laughs> um, and, 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 and so, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the importance of because eventually they were praying for a Bible. They were, they were crying out to God for a Bible. You know, this kid was fasting. He fasted for like 30 days for God to give him a Bible, and God gave him a Bible. So they needed a Bible. We need our Bibles. We need the Word. We need knowledge. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying that. I'm saying, oh, but man, oh, can it be for the church to just get back to our simple devotion to Christ, right? Can it be that we remember that, um, that Jesus is the answer himself, who he is? Um, and that's, that's exactly the kind of faith that we see in Abr- Abram, obviously. He doesn't have all the trappings. He doesn't have, you know, the, the microphone in the church and the, and the person on stage with the tie to tell him what's going on, right? He has God. And he's faithful to what God tells him. And God calls that righteousness. Isn't that, isn't that something? Didn't have perfect doctrine, but he had God. He had life. He had what was given to him to know. And he was faithful to what was given to him to know. Amen? All right. So uh, Romans chapter 4. We're going we're to skip now. Romans chapter 4. We're going to go to 20. Uh, 20 through 25. All right. Romans chapter 4. 
20 through 25 says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that again. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. All right, so you, you see what's going on there is we have this description of this childlike faith, that, which, is, which is really what I'm worked up about right now, right? This idea of childlike, simple faith that your daddy can do it, right? Like your daddy, your daddy can provide for you. He is providing for you, right? Um, he has done great exploits in your life. He has done the big and the small in your life. And he will continue to do the big and the small in your life because he, because he is a good father. That's your daddy, right? That's your daddy. Um, you know, my kids think I could do anything. They're wrong because I'm not God, but they, you know, they'll come and just punch me dead in the, you know, the places. And, you know, like, 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 and they're surprised when I'm like, ow, they're surprised when I'm hurt. They climb all over me. You know what I'm saying? Like my kids think I can do anything. They think I'm invincible and invulnerable to all attack. Right. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'll let that sink in for a second. All right. Um, but, but, you know, but I love that about my kids, right? I love that about my kids. Like they believe their daddy, right? They have a simple, simple trust and a simple faith. And certainly because men, men and women can, can abuse and manipulate that. But man, that is the model of how our faith ought to be to God, right? He can do more than, to him was able to do super abundantly more than you could ask or think according to his mighty power at work within you, right? Like, man, I think we, under, I think we underestimate God, you know? I think, I think he doesn't come through in the time frame we want him to, and so then we think he just can't or he won't or he has no plans on it, right? But that's not true. And so I, I guess just kind of cutting, cutting right down to it, what's, what's been impressed on me and what's being impressed on me um, in, in the weeks leading up to coming and taking the pulpit with you is just the supernatural nature of the Christian faith, the supernatural nature of God, um, and, and, and the understanding so that, so that we don't take our faith and our religion and make it just like the rest of the world's religions, right? The, the rest of the world's religions are, you know, you do these things, like this, th these are the doctrines, this is what you do, right? This is how you live. These are the laws. These are the rules. You follow the rules. It'll be fine if you don't follow the rules and bad things are going to happen to you, right? That is the world's doctrines. That's not Christianity, okay? Yes, Christianity has rules and it has doctrines for living, but it is a supernatural relationship with the God of the universe. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Let us not distill Christianity down into a set of do's and don'ts, right? Which is what we're tempted to do, right? Because that's easier, you know, we want control to some degree, right? And that's why we get mad at God because like, God, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing these things. Why don't you come through for me? 
right? Because we are starting to think transactionally like the, other's world, the other world's religions. That's how they think. But Job will, I mean, if you have that conception, Job will cure you of that, won't it? The book of Job, that man was doing everything right, right? And did suffering still come knocking on his door? And then did God explain himself? No. God didn't explain himself. His, his explanation was, I'm God, right? <laughs> That was his explanation. See, that's our faith. That's our religion. That's what we're dealing with, right? And we don't like that, man. I know how uncomfortable it is to be in the, in, to be subject to God to do something that you can't do or to be subject to God that you can't hold the reins for when and how he does it, right? That's an uncomfortable place to be, is it not? Because it's like, I'm in this suffering, I'm in this pain, I'm in this difficult place. And it's like, you're telling me my way out is Jesus? Okay, when, how, and what? Am I right? Like, I'm right? But, and yet, that is the supernatural, like, like that is the crux of where God puts every person that would call upon his name, Amen. That's where he's going to put you, right? Just expect that, that God's going to have stuff planted in your life, right? This pillar planted in your life, and it's, you're not going to get to move it by pushing, you know? And you're not even going to get to dictate the time frame for when it gets removed, right? What we can do is continue to walk faithfully by the power of God, right? By his mercy that we'll continue to walk faithfully. And also, man, I encourage you to take heart in the little things, right? Take heart in the little things, because it, we're, we're having this, this relationship where we're constantly interacting with the living God, but, but, but be careful that the big things that we need him to do don't distract or eliminate the impact of the small things that he's doing every day, amen? Now, y'all hear me on that? So, so, for example, one of my kids, you know, one of my kids was having a really bad day yesterday, like, a, and, and a really bad day. Let's see, I'm trying not to... Reveal which kid. <laughs> uh, and, uh, okay, well, I've, 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 okay, I've got two girls, so you don't know which girl. So, anyway, she, <laughs> um, she came to me early in the, in the morning after she had already been having a really hard day, and she said, Daddy, will you pray for me? And I said, yes, I'll pray for you. And she got into my lap, I laid hands on her, I prayed for her. She ended up having a great day from that point. Um, and she came to me this morning and she said, daddy, we prayed and I was fine for the rest of the day. And I was like, honey, don't forget these things. I was like, honey, file that away, right? Hold on to that because that's your daddy doing what we might call the little things for you, right? Like that's, that's, that's the manifestation, right? Uh, again, I hope you're not hearing, I, I, wouldn't, I would never want to come up here and preach the prosperity gospel to you people, right? Of, 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 of just, you know, God's going to just make your life great, and God's going to do all these awesome things for you, and, and it's, he'll get you the Cadillac, and he'll get you whatever, you know, get you your modeling job and all that. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying it's very clear in Scripture that we interact with God daily, right? And it's very clear that we're supposed to cry out to God for the things that we need, amen? And then it's very clear that God gives us the things that we need, Amen? And so, so my encouragement is while we wait for God to do the big things, right? Like while we wait for God to do the big things that we desperately need him to do, 
let's let the small things continue to accumulate as that fuel to help, to help us, right? To help us, because at the end of the day, God loves faith. And Abraham's a great example of that. Like, like God loves and enjoys faith. Not only does he love and enjoy faith, he also pours out faith, right? He also supernaturally gives you faith. If there's anybody in this room that really does believe in Jesus and really does love Jesus, you're experiencing the miracle above all miracles, my friend, right? Because people don't love Jesus by themselves, People love Jesus when Jesus acts on them in a miraculous way and turns a dead person into a living person, right? So I like to tell people, you know, what we're praying for right now is we're really praying for dimes because God already gave you a million dollars, right? And y'all can go ahead and print that on t-shirts. I I feel really good about that one. Uh, but, but you hear what I'm saying, right? Like, the, like, like the, the impossible thing has already been done if you call upon and love the name of Jesus Christ. And so why would he not do things that astonish you in your life? Because that is astonishing above all things that he could do. You know, Jesus says, and, and so as I speak these things and as we kind of start to come towards a close, um, you know, Jesus said, uh, John 6, 63, John, and you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm just going to cover you with this, right? Jesus said, and this is after Jesus got done saying, hey, you got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. And those, uh, those, those God-fearing Jews were like, that's too much, pastor. I'll see you later, right? But as Jesus is saying these words, that's what they said. Yeah, that, that's literally what they said. Well, okay, not literally what they said. A paraphrase of what they said. Um, you know, and, and Jesus is speaking to them. He's saying these things to them. And they, they, they're, they're getting further and further and further away from their understanding, being able to reconcile it. And eventually there's just, a clean, there's just a break that happens. But Jesus says something very interesting. He says, the flesh profits nothing. Right? What's he saying? The flesh profits nothing. These words are spirit and they are life. Now let me tell you all a secret. Words can carry information. But more importantly, words can carry spirit and they can carry life. Amen? And I would, and I would, and I pray that all of you would prosper and be in health, right? That the words that we speak from this pulpit would be life and spirit to you. Amen? You know the scripture where it says, uh, I think that's in uh, Third John. Where, the, where the, uh, the, the aged apostle says, I have no greater joy than when my children walk in truth. And I can testify to that, both having physical children and spiritual children. What a great, incredible joy it is when my children walk in truth. Right? When they walk in the supernatural realities of what God has given us through his word. Amen? His words are spirit. His words are life. And I'm going to take y'all back real quick to the, let me, let's, let's just go all the way back to the beginning, right? Uh, I keep hitting this, but I'm going to hit it again. Like, like God has set this up in like perfect, um, he's given us the perfect structure for understanding these things, right? Because Adam and Eve, man, God said, don't eat this tree of knowledge of good and evil. Did, what did he say about the tree of life? Did he say, any, he didn't, did he forbid them to eat the tree of life? He did not. He did not forbid them to eat the tree of life. And so then they went for the tree of knowledge because the enemy said, oh, no, this knowledge is the answer. 
This will get you there. This is going to make you like God. Like, this is what you need. But what did they actually need? Life. Opinion. I think God would have given them the tree of knowledge eventually. But I think what he, he, he knew that what they needed to appropriately deal with knowledge was life. Otherwise, knowledge becomes death because it becomes your God. Which is why the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. Wait a minute, Jesus, what am I supposed to do then? <laughs> in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. In our culture, we exalt the human brain. We exalt human ingenuity. That's the, you know, we, we, look, at, we look at the story of Babel. You know, the, the exaltation above all things of human accomplishment, human uh, uh, achievement. And then in our age, human technology, right? Like everything can be solved by technology. We just work together. And it's like, yeah, no, y'all still kill each other though, right? Because you have sin in your heart. Because you don't have life. Because you think that knowledge is the answer. And knowledge is good when it's a slave to life. But knowledge is a terrible thing when it's the master, amen? Simple faith is what I'm preaching to you from this pulpit. Simple childlike faith. We might do well to know half as much as we know and have twice as much childlike faith in Jesus. I don't know. I might get an email about that. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, uh, worship team, come on up. We had a little talk to the worship team prior. We're like, how long are you going to leave us up there? <laughs> no, I'm <playing> with you. <laughs> well, John chapter 10, verse 10. All right, no, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. All right, so, uh, so, so kind of ending on this note, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, right? So my prayer for you, like the, what, I'm, what I'm preaching over you, what I'm speaking over you, is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And, that, and, that, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit more in, uh, uh, you know, in, the, in the response time. But, but, but staying in hope and expectation that the person that we're talking about here, his arm is not short, right? Your God's arm is not short. Now, he may seem to delay if you want to calculate him in the hours and minutes of a man's consciousness. He may seem to delay, but the God that you serve, his arm is not short. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's in this room. I thank you, Lord God, for the word of God that has gone out today. And I pray that everyone within my hearing would have life, would enjoy life, would understand that they're being both called and equipped to have supernatural, abundant life. Man, what better thing could I pray for the people in this room, for my children, for my families, for our families, Lord, that every family in this congregation would have life, Lord God. We talk about revival. Man, I want to see revival. 
But I pray for revival in the families, Lord. I pray for revival in this church, Lord God. I pray, Father, for just a simple faith and devotion to Christ that causes us to, to, to believe that anything's possible again. To remember that God said that he could move mountains for us through faith. And so I pray for the faith of everybody in this room. I pray for healing. I pray for patient endurance, Lord God. But I also pray, Father, for the dancing and the singing and the rejoicing that comes when the thing that you've been waiting for finally happens. And when you get to lift your hands and your voice and say, God, I knew you would. I knew you were able. And I waited for you. Let that be the testimony of us, Lord God. Let that be our testimony that we wait that we are children who wait upon the Lord with a childlike adoration and a belief that you can do anything, Lord. And not only that you can do anything, because I think a lot of people believe that and stop there, but not only that you can do anything, but that your intentions towards us are good. Because doesn't your word say that you work all things together for good for those who love you and for those who are called according to your purpose? And that's just not words on a page. Those are spiritual realities that are written in stone. We're waiting upon you. We're crying out for you, Lord God. Fall down like fire upon us, Jesus. Fill us with your power and fill us with your joy. Fill us with a testimony that makes no sense in this common world that we live in, Lord. And you will. I believe that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, so as we come into the response time, uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a story. I was, I was going to read to you the, uh, the story of the blind man who's sitting on the side of the road and, um, you know, hears about Jesus walking by and he just says, uh, man, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Um, but I, I, instead of reading it, I think I'm just going to give you that summary uh, and then I'm just going to speak directly. Um, you know, I know there are people, and I know there are times when I, when, my, when I myself have felt just locked out, right? Like, like the pastor's up here offering this beautiful buffet um, and talking about how awesome Jesus is. And, man, he really looks like he's feeling it over there, doesn't he, right? And, uh, and it, it could cause a person to think, yeah, man, I feel locked out. I feel like there's that banquet on the table, and, but I, I can't get in. Um, and I, I want to encourage you, man. I want to encourage you that, that the story that like, like if we're, we're going back in Genesis and we're just seeing that life is a story, right? All of creation, like God is this infinitely creative storyteller and he's telling a story, a beautiful story with a lot of, a lot of all the elements of a great story, you know, pain and struggle and redemption and beauty. And your story is a story of rescue, Right? Like our story is a story of rescue, but see, nobody likes to be the helpless one, right? Nobody likes to be the person sitting there and saying, no, you're talking about a banquet, but I can't get to it. And you're telling me my only answer is God's power, but how do I get it, right? Like nobody likes that, but I want to I encourage you, that's the nature of the story that you're in, right? Jesus came to rescue, which means sometimes we're allowed to, to sit in a condition of needing rescue, for longer than is comfortable. 
And so if there's anything that I have to give you, you know, the only answer I have to give you is the only answer that I can chew on and eat when I'm there, right? You know, like Johnny today is fired up, but man, talk to Johnny two weeks ago. You'd have been like, this dude's a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, it's, it's like that for me. You know, uh, there's, there's moments of darkness and there's moments of light. And I don't get to pick. I'm doing the same thing this week that I was doing last week. And this week I feel his presence. And last week I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get that. My encouragement is follow on. My encouragement is to be the dude on the side of the road that's blind and says, I hear Jesus is passing by. Have mercy on me, son of David. And if you don't come, I'm going to say it louder. And if you don't come, I'm going to say it again. And if you don't come today, I'm going to say it tomorrow. Right? Like, have mercy on me, son of David, because what I need is mercy. I don't need more books, right? I don't need, again, go ahead and read books. <laughs> right? I don't need more YouTube videos. I need rescue. I need supernatural intervention from on high. And so I'll take you back again to Romans 8.25. But if we hope for what we don't see, we do with patience wait for it. See, we're all, when you're hoping and you're expecting, it's for something you don't see. It's not for something you see. Right? And so therefore, then the part of the story that you're in is the waiting part right? The enduring part. And God, by his spirit, give you supernatural power to endure because sometimes, man, it feels like it takes more power to do that than it does to go and move the mountain, right? That's still power though. That's still power. People are going to be like maybe singing your praises about it, but man, it's still power, isn't it? She waited well. He's waiting well. Oh, he messed up, but then he got back on the horse and he's waiting again. (laughs) Amen. Y'all feel me? Some of y'all feeling me? All right. Call to be born again, man. If you don't know this Jesus, every time I get up here and I preach as big as I can, man, I preach, I, I ask God to open my lips so I can speak his glory accurately so that you get a picture of something that is so grandiose, so beautiful, so wonderful that your heart starts to say, man, I kind of want that. Your, your heart starts to say, man, I don't know that. I need to know that. And if that's happening to anybody in the room, man, woman, or child, man, when you say children, sometimes children come. <laughs> man, man, woman, or child, man, if you, if you don't know him, if you want to know him, if you, if you want to receive Christ, if you want to enter into this beauty, then today, man, today's the day of salvation. Amen? Don't wait. Man, you, you could get saved today. You could have angels rejoicing in heaven over you today. Repentance, man, sometimes what this brings up is sin in our hearts. Man, maybe it's unbelief, right? Maybe I've underestimated God. Maybe I've complained and grumbled against God, right? Maybe I've been ungrateful to God. And maybe that's what comes up, and it makes me feel like I just am not qualified to hear. Man, you're the one I'm talking to, amen? This power's for you, and God's just calling you to repentance, right? Confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This ain't like a two-week process, Right? This is like, no, nah, God, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, son of David. And what does he say? He will, always. Call to giving. I'm sorry, I'm doing the thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Oh, call to giving. Preach it. Y'all, so, y'all are so good to me. Y'all are so good to me. Uh, so giving, right? Giving as an expression of worship. 
right? Not as an expression of, uh, of command or as an expression of have to, but giving as an expression of worship unto the God who's given to you. We've got giving boxes over here. Um, called remembrance, right? Man, let's go, let's, go, let's go to the crosses. Let's take the, blood, uh, the, uh, the bread and the wine and let's remember this glorious Jesus who paid it all for us, right? Let's remember, let's remember him together. And then called a prayer, you know, like um, pray. I, I do this every, every week that I pray. Like, man, get prayer, get prayer. As I'm preaching, I see the responses. There's people in here that are hurting, right? There are people here that are identifying with what I'm telling you. Um, don't neglect the opportunity to get the prayers of the saints to cover you, for the saints to come alongside you, for you to get to feel the fellowship of the body that God has provided for you. Amen? Amen.